Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to the Men of Valor program. Today, Randy, we are going to just have a special episode, uh, not as part of a, one of our series, and it uh, is about a new book that came out that I was involved with. Uh, I'm not the only writer. I'm one of three editors on this volume, and uh, it's something that I've been thinking about for a number of years, and uh, the title of the book is Reflections on the History of the Field of Sex Addiction, a Fest Schrift. Now, by the way, the German part of me likes that. But Festschrift is generally a celebration type of uh, book that comes out to honor a field, a group of authors, an author, you know, that kind of thing. So, I you know, Mark, not to interrupt you, but just in case any of the listeners go to to look for that book, yeah, I think we better more accurately restate the title: Reflections on the History of the Sex Addiction. Field. Isn't that what I said? Well, you, uh, you kind of um, put the dice in the Yahtzee cup and shook them out, and uh, they came out in a little different order than that. But Reflections on the, the history, history of the Sex Addiction Field is the name. Yes, it's subtitled A Fest Shrift. So uh, editors on this are uh, Jennifer Schneider, uh, one of her protégés, uh, a woman by the name of Deborah Kaplan, who's a therapist, and then uh, myself. So let's talk about the uh, original idea here. And then I, I guess I'm just assuming that uh, maybe some of our listeners might be interested in uh, how all of this got started and, you know, what went on. So I'll just launch into it. We'll see how we go. The book has 15 authors, and all of the authors, with a couple of exceptions, uh, have won the uh, Carnes Award for Lifetime Achievement. The Carnes Award has been um, given to those that uh, uh, have been involved in the field kind of since the beginning days and uh, uh, also have achieved a certain amount of uh, success, writing, speaking, teaching, those kind of things. And uh, uh, I, for example, won the Carnes Award a number of years ago. And But it's kind of uh, interesting that the title of the award is the Carnes Award. It goes back to, you know, Pat Carnes, the founder of our field. So... I thought I'd start there, and then uh, we'll see where we go. Well, that sounds great. All right. There was no term for sex addiction back in the 1970s, and uh, there were a number of therapists, uh, psychologists, uh, pretty much all Ph.D. level. A couple of them were master's level. Uh, there were 10 of them, and they were meeting regularly for fellowship, for connection, for community, and also uh, uh, to provide themselves uh, with some group-type supervision of their counseling practices. Uh, what they discovered roughly in uh, the year 1976 is that uh, all of them uh, were somehow involved in inappropriate relationships with uh, one of their clients or one of their students uh, and that kind of thing. Now, at this point, I know most of who those guys are. Uh, we're going to allow them to remain uh, anonymous. Uh, but one of them, because he has, in fact, talked about it somewhat publicly, uh, was uh, Patrick Carnes. So uh, he, in those days, himself uh, was uh, dealing with his own issues. And 
his first marriage was failing, and uh, I could go on with that. I'm not here to tell Pat's story, but let me just say that he had a story, and he knew that he needed to do something about it. So uh, those 10 guys figured out that uh, one of the ways to deal with it was to uh, incorporate the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and apply it to their inability to stop these sexual behaviors, this uh, powerlessness that they had. And so they just translated the first step. I admitted I was powerless over lust and that my life had become unmanageable. That started a group called Sex Addicts Anonymous roughly in 1976. Now, of that group, um, I think they all have pretty much written books at this point, but uh, Pat Carnes was uh, the one who I think took it upon himself without consulting with these guys that he was going to write a book about sex addiction. And he's kind of the one that uh, came up with the term or, you know, embraced the term sex addiction. And uh, so that first book came out in 1981. And that was originally called, strangely enough, The Sexual Addiction. It had a plain green cover. It was an ugly looking book. It was an awful title. Uh, I mean, you're not going to walk into a bookstore and just say, I need to read a book on sex addiction today because you wouldn't have known the term anyway. And so the book didn't sell. And uh, three years later, finally, after, you know, miserable book sales, um, so this is 1984, uh, the publisher decided to retitle it. And now finally they came up with a good marketing title, and that was called Out of the Shadows. And I think a lot of our listeners may have had some of their original awareness of this uh, because of that book. So that's been around now since 1984. That then launched it, and Pat himself, who was at that point working here in the Twin Cities, he's actually from the Twin Cities, grew up in Edina, Minnesota. He was working at the University of Minnesota. He was working also at Fairview Hospital. And uh, this started to get a lot of requests from people uh, to start a program, to start an inpatient treatment program for this. And uh, roughly in 1985, uh, he uh, approached one of the freestanding mental health hospitals here, Golden Valley Health Center, and uh, they agreed to put in the very first uh, uh, unit within that hospital, which already had a drug and alcohol program and so forth. They put in a sexual dependency unit. So uh, that began about a six-year run uh, at the hospital uh, of treating people from all over the country. And that was the only program in the country at At, the time. At that point, it was. They were quickly imitated uh, by some other hospitals. Uh, but yes, it was the first, and it was the one attached to Carnes, and he's the one that came up with the curriculum for the program. He uh, lectured uh, uh, at the program, and uh, that program, by the time I was intervened on in 1987, had been in business now for a couple of years. So uh, just long enough, I think, for... Uh, one of the people in my intervention to be aware of the fact that there was such a program in the greater Twin Cities area. So in, um, as you know, most of our listeners know, I went to that in March of 1987. And uh, that was a 30-day program. That was the classic Minnesota model. And uh, March 17th of entering that hospital, that's my sobriety birthday. So that then was kind of the, uh, the major force Uh, in getting the word out about sex addiction because in those days, uh, Golden Valley initially made lots and lots of money on uh, this treatment program. And as a result of that, they they established a uh, 
$3 million a year budget for marketing, and they began sending uh, their marketing reps all over the country to educate therapists, counselors, pastors about the field of sexual addiction. And uh, uh, then, then people from around the country started uh, referring patients to the hospital. And I, in effect, was kind of a part of that, I think, back in 1987. That's how I kind of resulted in getting there. So in terms of you know, some of the writers here in this book, some of them were involved in those early days uh, in terms of that treatment program. Many of them were not, but one of the ones that you know, I decided to talk to about this idea was uh, Jennifer Schneider, who is an MD and a PhD, uh, and uh, she was involved. She really wrote the first book on uh, wives who have been betrayed by their husbands, and it was called Back from Betrayal. And uh, it was a great, was and is a great book. It's been revised. Uh, it was based on Jennifer herself's uh, relationship with uh, her husband at the time, who was uh, a, a sex addict. So um, I think, you know, partly why I'm interested in telling this story to our listeners is I think the Christian audience can kind of get an idea of how. Uh, the Holy Spirit was working in all of this, you know, and how connections were being made and opportunities uh, were presented, uh, particularly to me, that I did not orchestrate. I mean, they just kind of came up. So what happened next uh, is that uh, Carnes uh, also started getting requests uh, from therapists that they needed training in how to work with sex addiction in their local practices. So uh, he began a one-week-long uh, training program where therapists would come in and pay a lot of money to be there Monday through Friday and uh, have Pat lecture to them about treatment. That got going great guns, and you know we had, in any given period of time, we had a lot of therapists come to that. Originally, he had uh, hired a couple of his colleagues. I think one of them was, was one of those original 10 guys. Uh, to come in and help him lecture about this. And uh, they put on their very first uh, training. Uh, and that guy, uh, they always had, you know, exit surveys. And, you know, that guy just got terrible ratings. The guy that was in the original 10, I think. And uh, he was just boring. He, you know, he was a good guy. He was a great guy. I, I really liked him a lot. But he was, he was not a good lecturer. So at this point now, I had been hired at the hospital. Uh, to work for uh, the hospital in terms of alumni relations, a job that didn't even require a college degree. It just required that uh, uh, you were an alum of the hospital. And Pat knew that I was there and knew that I had a PhD degree. So when they got those just terrible reviews, Pat was scrambling and he said, uh, well, maybe even here within our own staff, you know, we have a recovering sex addict who's been through our program. Maybe he can come down and take his place for at least a time or two. And that's when he came and talked to me really for the first time and asked me if I'd come down and see if I could take over the material that this other man was supposed to teach. Well, that's that's fascinating. And it partially answers a question I was going to ask when a few minutes ago you referenced that after uh, Golden Valley's facility and program through uh, the guidance of Pat Carnes was up and running, then there were some copycat programs that popped right. up around the country. Right. Were these the people that would come to the program to be educated on it first? or I think there was examples of that, you know, where people, you know, intended to, to open their own programs 
uh, and they came and got trained by Carnes. And uh, whenever I would ask him about that, uh, he would just say, you know, there's got to be enough sex addicts to go around. Oh, there and, and more than enough. More than enough. Well, let's take our break right now, okay. Mark. And when we come back and we'll share the trigger of the week with our listeners, let's get into this uh, more of this story as you're telling us about reflections on the history of the sex addiction field. You're listening to Dr. Mark Laser, and this is the Men of Valor program. Do you struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops, led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller, are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're ready to make a change in your life and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at FaithfulAndTrue.com to learn more. That's FaithfulAndTrue.com. Time now for the Trigger of the Week. Trigger of the Week, Randy. Uh, we were always uh, we always talk about this before we start. And uh, last week, the listeners may remember that we had Greg Miller here with us, and he was talking about some of the emotional triggers like anxiety and so forth. Uh, so I thought we ought to return today to some you know actual concrete sexual triggers that are out there. And in my ongoing uh, role as uh, TV critic. Uh, <laughs> Somewhat addicted in the evening to watching perhaps too much TV. I'm considering this a warning to our viewers. I think the viewers already know that we've talked about shows that are on. Ninja Warrior, you know, has a lot of, you know, very attractive athletic women on it. The show uh, Dancing with the Stars is highly provocative. People know that. There's a new show this year with Jennifer Lopez and actually one of the former dancers with uh, Dancing with the Stars, Derek Cuff who I like a lot. I think he's a great guy. But I just was noticing the other night as I was just tuning in a little bit to see what it was about that not all of the dances are, you know, provocative. There's hip-hop this and jazz and ballroom that. Uh, There's actually some very elegant, beautiful ballroom dancing. Um, But then there's some of this modern dance. Uh, I was noticing one of the dancers that I happened to hit uh, was was dressed in a kind of a pale, flesh-colored costume and uh, she basically, you know, if, if you weren't aware that this was a costume, it almost appeared that she was dancing around in all these various modern poses uh, as if she was, was not wearing anything. Which is uh, an obvious attempt to give that illusion that she was yeah. naked. Well, I, you know, it, it, it's interesting because the dancer in question is, is a local person and she was uh, 14 years old. 
So it's like, thanks, you know, be to God, I'm not, uh, you know, attracted to that age level, but I think it was highly provocative for a mother to be allowing a 14-year-old to do. So anyway, I, I'm just saying, uh, and by the way, there are apps these days when you can go on. If you're, te if you're tempted or wanting to watch a show, you can get it rated by one of these apps that has a Christian foundation to it about what's appropriate and what's not. Well, that's uh, again, these are like uh, public service announcements uh, for, uh, for anyone out there that uh, it's just a great reminder to be on your toes because mm -hmm. when you least expect it, uh, you, you can be triggered by the media and other, right. um, and other sources out there. Well, let's return our listeners to today's show in which you have uh, introduced a new book that is just now being released called Reflections on the History of the Sex Addiction Field. Yeah, edited by Jennifer Schneider, Deborah Kaplan, and uh, myself. So, you know, it's interesting. We were just talking about the trigger of the week that, you know, since I got started in the field, but roughly in 1987, you know, what growth there's been in the amount of uh, sexual stimuli, stimuli out there in our culture. When I first started, there was no internet, for example. The internet came into popular usage in the mid-90s, and that that has just, you know, escalated things, ballooned things. So anyway, you know, what happened next, now we've got, we left off where Carnes was starting to offer training to other therapists, and I got involved in that. What I was trying to say, what I think one of the themes of the show is, you know, none of this stuff I orchestrated. I mean, I did not go to Carnes and ask if I could teach. He came to me and asked me if I would teach. That got me exposed for the first time to therapists from all over the country. And I would say that there are still many friends that I have through my you know, national connections that go back to that period of time uh, that they came and heard my training. Uh, Ted Roberts was one of them who now has his own very large ministry called Pure Desire. Uh, Ted was at one of those trainings. And uh, later, he and his wife came to one of my trainings. So, you know, I still, to this day, marvel at uh, what a wonderful opportunity that was. Eventually, the hospital and uh, its marketing department with $3 million, uh, they started sending various people around. And uh, I was one of them. And so I started traveling nationally to do kind of in-service things. And again, what was the hospital looking for? You know, go out there and educate the counselors about our program so that they can refer patients to the hospital. And, but that took me to California, to New York, to Florida, to Texas, uh, you know, various other places. And uh, there again, I think uh, God was starting to build uh, a national network that uh, we still are a part of today. One of the other developments that happened, and there's other writers in this that are writing about it, the woman who wrote the very first uh, book on female sex addiction from a, from a secular perspective, Charlotte Castle, uh, is one of the contributors to this book. And, you know, just in the book, there are, there are people that were involved at, you know, the, the basic initial level. Uh, and one of the things that developed was, uh, Carnes was always interested in two things. One, starting a journal uh, for some academic publishing about research or theory in the field of sex addiction. And the second thing he was interested in was getting a national organization started, patterned after the National Council on Alcoholism. And so back in the early days, uh, he began to think about having uh, a conference uh, on an annual yearly basis, uh, out of which grew this, the seeds of that national organization. It had some really checkered history. I, I think one of the 
more fascinating things is I was elected to the original board of directors of it. And uh, no one else on, I mean, everybody, you know, they were PhD level MD types, but you know, nobody wanted to be treasurer. So I got elected treasurer and Debbie could tell you, you know, what a joke that was. But up until the point that I got involved with it, all the various accounting for it had been by paper and pencil. And I at least got it on Quicken. So I served on that board, which eventually came to be called the National Council on Sex Addiction and Compulsivity. Uh, and they are the ones that sponsored a journal. Uh, and uh, I was on that editorial board until just last year. I was on the board of, the, of what we call NICSA. And uh, in the title of that, the National Council on Sex Addiction Compulsivity, you can hear that there was a rift in the field. There were those that thought that it was an addiction and those that thought that it was a compulsivity. One of the uh, early level pioneers uh, was a man by the name of Eli Coleman, who's head of the Department of Human Sexuality at the University of Minnesota. And uh, he was writing and teaching and lecturing at our national conferences about that. So uh, we included Eli in our volume because I think it's true to uh, the history of it. Along the way, some of the authors uh, were, were getting involved. Uh, you know, uh, Linda Hudson and Ken Adams was uh, uh, a later arrival to all of this. Uh, and all of these people are uh, just, you know, over the years, wonderful friends of mine. One of the things that happened, and I, maybe this is the place for us to end our historical considerations for the moment, is that roughly in 1992, I decided to, uh, and this is when my first book came out, and I decided that uh, the hospital was getting so dysfunctional in terms of its administration that a bunch of us left, including Carnes, a little bit earlier than me, and we went off on our own. And I think what that allowed for is that uh, I could now focus on sex addiction uh, treatment from a Christian perspective, because as long as I worked with Pat, as long as I worked at the hospital, even though we always had Christians coming to our training, uh, I had to be a little careful about that. So when the book came out and it was a Christian book, Christian publisher, uh, at that point, uh, you know, Carnes had already asked me to do a speech at the first Christian counseling conference, conference in Atlanta in 1988. Uh, so I'd kind of been launched that way. But now I was focusing on that. And uh, one of the things that's developed in the 21st century here is that Carnes has taken some of that early training and he established a, a new organization a number of years ago uh, called ITAP or the Institute for uh, Trauma and Addiction Providers and uh, he started you know certifying uh, sex addiction counselors so you can be a certified sex addiction therapist. He always said he would uh, just automatically give me that but I myself chose not to uh, and the reason is because uh, I don't think the, the training has enough voice about spirituality, about the importance of faith, and for me, obviously, the importance of Christian faith. So what's been fascinating, though, is that there's probably been well over a thousand or more uh, Christian counselors who have gone through that training, and to do it costs generally fifteen dollars to $20,000, and uh, I've always wondered a little bit about that, uh, that... Uh, while it's a great clinical training, I don't always think it's the best spiritual training. In fact, I, I don't think it's a spiritual training at all. So uh, for the listeners who may be interested in that, I think some of my reflections about all of this are in my chapter in this book. And uh, I would just say if you're interested, 
uh, for a variety of reasons and hearing from some of the great pioneers in our field. And by the way, some of them are going to give you insights about, you know, what works and what doesn't going back to the 70s uh, in terms of our field. So I, I think it's well worth the read. Uh, the only place to get it right now is probably not going to be in bookstores is uh, through Amazon. Okay. Well, Mark, this has been fascinating. Give our listeners, as we close the show right now, give our listeners an update on, I know that there has been an ongoing resistance by the psychological industry to, uh, to consider sex addiction an addiction. Right. Has, has that made any strides in being certified as an addiction? You know, it's one of those things where I think the average counselors, even psychologists, maybe even a lot of psychiatrists out there, accept that it's an addiction. But by the official uh, seats of power about this, mainly on the East Coast, I think, uh, it has not been fully accepted. Uh, there is, as a lot of people know, a statistical manual of the American Psychiatric uh, Association, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, called the DSM. They came out uh, several years ago with their fifth edition, or DSM-5, and in the opening paragraphs of the sexuality section, they say that we anticipate in revisions of this that uh, the diagnosis of sex addiction will be included. So like every previous edition, the third, the fourth, you know, they've had revisions. So uh, maybe the DSM-5R will finally include it in a year or two. It's I don't know. just a matter of time, isn't it? Well, I think in the meantime, they've been so stubborn about some things that the DSM uh, is not that well accepted out there. Uh, somewhat medically, uh, it still needs to be used in terms of getting insurance payments. But uh, in the meantime, it's, it's by the American Psychological Association, it's generally been rejected by uh, a number of other large uh, uh, mental health care organizations, it's been rejected. So uh, I don't know. You know, in the meantime, over the last 30 years, uh, given the fact that it hasn't been an official diagnosis, uh, I haven't really cared all that much because the average sex addict who has it knows what they Yeah, have. you know it's real. Yeah, you know right. it's real. You have been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host, and we thank you for joining us today. We hope that uh, this coming week is going to be a week that's filled with many blessings and with great vision. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at faithfulandtrue.com. That's faithfulandtrue.com.